Hey, so this is weird, right? The Lego movie? That's not even a Disney movie. You're right, it's not a Disney movie, but coincidentally, it is the first film Dustin and I reviewed together. See, after Dustin and I had the idea to start a Disney-themed podcast, we wanted to do a test episode to make sure that we could actually learn how to record things, learn how to edit things, uh, hold up a conversation for an hour that's somewhat interesting, and act like we know anything about movies. We couldn't start with, like, Snow White to be our test episode when that's got to be the first thing that goes up, so we just picked a random movie, and it was the Lego movie. So we've been sitting on this recording for a little over a year now, and in honor of us making it through 10 Disney films, we figured we'd release it as a bonus episode. We're going to be doing, uh... A lot more of this sort of stuff moving forward. We got a lot of bonus content rolling out pretty soon. And uh, if you want to make sure you don't miss anything, you better subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can see that right when it comes to you. So without further ado, hope you guys enjoy the Lego movie. Thanks. Dudes watch Disney podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's, it's a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dudes Watch Disney podcast, which is, I guess, what we're calling this. Uh, this isn't really an episode anyone's going to hear, I don't think, so this is probably pointless, but we're watching the Lego movie today. My name's Jake. And I'm Dustin. And we are brothers. And we like Disney movies. <laughs> so that's the premise of the podcast. Uh, in preparation for doing the podcast, we decided to watch the movie... Uh, uh, <laughs> watch we, the Lego movie. We picked the Lego movie mostly based on it's a film we both own, which isn't... Right. It's a short list, apparently. It's a cartoon. It's, it's you know, similar to uh, what we would be doing, but it's not Disney. We wanted to right. try something that wasn't Disney so we would get a feel for what we're right. doing. Right. What we're going to be going down is there's a list. It's on Wikipedia. It's like the official Disney animated canon, so it doesn't include, like... Anything Pixar doesn't include Mary Poppins, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. (laughs) It's like, you know, uh, Snow White all the way through Zootopia, which I guess just dated this episode because probably more Disney movies are going to come out before we get too deep into this thing. But we'll be (coughs) attempting to watch those and sort of uh, attempt to quantify or qualify, whatever the right word is, uh, what makes them. them so good, what makes them so endearing and enduring. Uh, there you go. Yeah, see what it did there? And, uh, yeah, and so we have a rubric we'll use on them. It's very involved. You'll see when we get to that point. Yeah, the rubric, I don't know how much I use the rubric for this film, but I don't know how much it'll really apply. Right. Since I mean, it's 2014 animation, not the same as uh, Snow White, you know? But uh, there will be a more official thing going. We're probably going to do a real intro episode explaining everything down the line. But today, the Lego movie... Released in 2014, I'm pretty sure everyone remembers that, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, written and directed by the, the duo of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who, best known, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, they do all those Jump Street movies, I don't know how many of those they made now, but I never saw any of those, so I oh, don't know. pretty good, uh, well, at least the first one is, the second one is, it's okay, it's not as good. Are they still doing the thing where they're going to combine it with the Men in Black universe? Uh, I don't know. Didn't know that was a thing. That was in talks. I don't know if that happens. Uh, they also made the TV series Clone High. I don't know if you ever watched that. No, I've never heard of that. It was MTV. 
in like 2002, maybe. It lasted for one season, but ask anyone, it was funny as shit. What were they cloning? Like People, uh, like Abraham Lincoln, Gandhi, uh, oh, Joan okay. of Arc, they were all high school this students. Was, this was an animated thing? Yeah. Or, okay. Very funny. And it surprised me when I realized the people that did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs started out doing that. But that explained Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, also a very funny movie. Yeah, maybe they should combine this universe <coughs> with the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs universe. Like, mm. that sounds much more interesting than Men in Black and, and in a, Catch... I, 22, not catch 22. <laughs> 21, 21 Jump Street. Street. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 the other day for the first time since that came out. It was disappointing. Not yeah. really that great. This movie we uh, we saw in the theater together uh, when it came out. Uh, did we? I was wondering about that. I couldn't did. remember. It was, it was a weird thing. Like the it was, This has happened more than once to me recently where like the audio in the theater is not loud enough. Like... Uh, like you, it seems like there were times where you could barely hear what the people were saying. That's what I remember about it. I'm uh, making a face. You can't really tell that on a podcast, but I don't remember this. Times. Is like what went, that face means. The other movie it happened to me with. Uh, I went to go watch that uh, Ian McKellen movie, uh, Mr. Holmes. Yeah. Uh, very quiet. Couldn't and hear so the movie. It was like nobody breathe, and we'll be able to hear what they're saying. Like maybe you're going deaf. It could be. Maybe it's me. Uh. Lego Movie comes from the Warner Animation Group, because I did a bit of, a bit of research on that, because I knew this wasn't, like, DreamWorks or anybody. It's like, who the hell made this? Uh, Warner Brothers, I guess, makes sense, because, uh, spoiler for the film, you get Batman, Superman, and all the DC stuff going on, so that adds up. But the last film Warner Animation Group actually made was Looney Tunes Back in Action in 2003. Is that the one with Brendan Fraser in it? Yeah, and Goldberg. Oh. <laughs> That's all I know about that oh movie. My. That's... <laughs> Box office gold right yeah. there. There's no Space Jam. I didn't watch it. They, By the way, Warner Animation also made Space Jam and Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, I wrote no, that, that one down because it's a great Batman movie. A pretty good critical acclaim a couple years ago when it came out. Uh, did not get an Oscar. for. Was not even nominated for Best Animated Picture. Really? Mm-hmm. That went to uh, Big Hero 6. I think won it. I mean, that's a good movie. I'm okay with that part, but I'm yeah. surprised he didn't get nominated for anything. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, who was hosting, I guess, made a joke about it, how Lego Movie very clearly should have at least gotten a nomination when he was announcing the category, I guess. I did notice uh, it was nominated for one Oscar, and that was uh, Tegan and Sarah were nominated for Everything, uh, is, Everything awesome. is Awesome. But Oh, and they're also uh, making a new Lego Movie spinoff about Lego Batman coming up. I don't know if you're interested in that. But, I mean, I, people will watch Batman do anything at this point. Like I know you like the Lego Batman video games. Oh, I do, yes. Uh, but I feel like you could... Batman anything will be real popular. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we mentioned 2014. I think this was the, my favorite movie I saw that year. I was trying to look back through shit that came out in 2014, and I couldn't remember much. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe I enjoyed oh, that more. Yeah. But I don't know. I really liked this movie when it came out. Which I guess we'll get into the actual plot of the movie, unless you got any other intro uh, things. Mm, well, I mean, just sort of before we get into the movie, like, uh, were, were you into Legos as a kid? I was Oh, yeah. Not. I wanted to talk um, about this, because you didn't play with Legos at all. No. Like, yeah. I don't have any dexterity <laughs> at all. Like, that I could, could be the, part of the reason. The Duplos, the little spoilers that the little girl does at the end of the movie, I right. could handle those. Past that, I couldn't really do anything with about, them. about, like, mega blocks? Yeah, but that's about it. So, like, I spent most of my childhood with action figures and, and whatever. I was Toy never wrestlers. really into building things uh, yeah. with the Lego. So I didn't really feel the nostalgia that some people yeah. would feel watching this movie. There's yeah. a lot of humor in this film that I'm guessing you missed out on because, like, 
Uh, well, we'll get into that a little well, bit Well, I mean, later, I think but... I'm... A... <clears throat> okay, we'll get into it. But I think I'm aware of the... Like, even though I didn't play with the Legos, I yeah. could see where, like, people follow instructions, people don't like, follow instructions. Yeah. Like... Well, and, like, uh, when uh, Emmett, our protagonist, Emmett, becomes, he becomes a master builder during the film, uh, and there's, like, just a visual thing when he's looking around and seeing all the pieces, and it, like, pops up on the screen, like, a name for the piece that I assume was just, like... And, you know, how do you describe these things when you're, like, eight? It's, like, I need a four-cube four piece, like, and then you go, and four-cube is probably called a million different things by a million different kids, but right. seeing that sort of uh, displayed on the screen like that was really nostalgic. It's, like, oh, yeah, it's even, I didn't know what it was called either. Like, it's, like, gear wheel. I okay. remember popping up and things you could use to build things. But anyway, uh, Lego Movie starts out. Uh, we get Morgan Freeman, the wizard, whose name I never learned. Uh, Vesuvius? That's a volcano. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I've seen this movie. This was my third time watching the film since it came out, and I've never taken the time to call him anything other than Morgan Freeman. But I like really silly movies and movies uh, with you know bathroom humor every now and then, but the very first line of this movie is Morgan Freeman saying the word butt. Like, I don't even remember what the rest of <laughs> yeah, the line I was going to say, was. I don't remember but that. But he says butt in the first line, and it's just like, okay. Because a lot of our humor in this movie is drawn from we can make Morgan Freeman say weird things. Yeah. Like uh, This was actually Morgan Freeman's first animated role. And he's very enjoyable and uh, in most of it. Uh, the butt thing I thought was silly. Uh, later, you know, when he says that idea was just the worst or whatever, like there's a lot of humor that comes from Morgan <laughs> Freeman, and he's not normally a source of humor in right. movies, which is nice. I, I wish he would have narrated the movie. That would have made it even cooler. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, Morgan Freeman's so well-known for from his voice. Uh, I thought it was interesting, you know, 30, 40 years into his career, he finally does an animated voiceover picture. Like Even animated pictures are whitewashed in Hollywood. Jumping back into it, Morgan Freeman uh, is in the middle of a volcano, and he's spouting all kinds of exposition. Uh, Lord Business, the, the antagonist, some people call him, the villain of the film, busts down the door, kicks Morgan Freeman aside, and uh, he's trying to find something called the Craggle, which we don't know anything about. There's a lot of things in this movie we don't know anything about, which uh, I had notes uh, talking about. I'm really glad that without getting to the big reveal of the end of the film, but I think we can hold off on that till we really get there. That fixes a lot of story problems because the first 20 minutes of this film, it's every single cliche MacGuffin kind of thing you could think of. Get the craggle. Wait, you can, we need the piece of resistance to stop the craggle. And there's a special chosen one. Like it's, and like you said, it makes more sense when you get to the big reveal. Right. That sort of forgives everything. Uh, Morgan Freeman gives the prophecy, which I didn't write down any of it, but I love the final line is, all this is true because it rhymes. I wrote that down too, <laughs> That's yeah. already showing, uh, taking things kind of lighthearted, which I guess if it's a movie about Legos, you know. One thing that we'll notice uh, in later Disney movies uh, compared to early ones is the ones made in the uh, 2000s and the late 90s have this like built-in sense of like irony and like not yeah. taking it too seriously yeah. and like uh, which is kind of fun sometimes but I do kind of miss I, I think that's why people liked Frozen was it right. was back to being Disney you know yeah, I think sort of uh, Pixar kind of took over that in the yeah. 2000s-ish because which, which for this movie I don't mind that it's not taking right. itself too seriously it didn't need to it's a movie about fucking Legos like right. <laughs> 
Pixar saw that huge success, whereas compared that to like DreamWorks or this other animated, it's all like pop culture-y. I guess we can all blame uh, Robin Williams for that, for the, being the fucking genie yeah. in the 90s and being, you know, the most like, well-known uh, like comedy presence in a Disney film. Yeah, but even though he was meta in that movie and, and self-aware, like the rest of the movie was still right. serious and, apart from that. I think it's just Hollywood picks up on the wrong trends right. sometimes. Well, I think it's a societal <clears throat> shift of like, being too cool for school and stuff where yeah. like in the you know with the early disney movies in the 40s and 50s like you don't have that same attitude in any part of society like people it's a fairy tale it's gonna be a fairy tale too. yeah that's all you need there's right. a villain there's a princess you yeah. don't need it to be like <coughs> shrek or yeah shrek, shrek that's really what caused it that's the hoodwinked is that the other one where it's basically the fairy tale characters all turned upside down or whatever like, i never it's, saw hoodwinked i don't know <laughs> Uh, we've made it one scene into this movie. True, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we saw the prophecy, we met the villain and the wise old man character. Now we meet the protagonist. Uh, I mostly just called him Chris Pratt, but his name is Emmett, and he is everyday, normal, run-of-the-mill guy. Like he, We find out a little bit about the world. Everyone has instructions that they follow, and that's how you have to live your life. I also noticed uh, Chris Pat lists the official title of the book that he reads, Getting Up in the Morning, is The Instructions to Fit In, Have Everybody Like You, and Always Be Happy, which is a book I would really like to read. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, who wouldn't? Yeah, there's useful lessons in there. But no one, no one stands <clears throat> out in this society. Everyone watches the same right. shows. Everyone... Uh, uh, Where Are My Pants is the number one show on television. Right. Uh, which I wrote down that sums up why I don't watch television today is... <laughs> So we get this great uh, montage along with the uh, the original song that we mentioned earlier, the Everything is Awesome, mm-hmm. that sort of just encapsulates the whole uh, society that Emmett lives in. Right. Uh, also, this opening scene uh, gives us a real good look at the visuals of the film, which I uh, we were talking about Oscars earlier. I assume that was while we were recording. I've already forgotten if that might have been in the pregame. I think that it was. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know if there's like a visual Oscar for animated stuff, like visual design, but holy shit, this movie absolutely deserved it because every, like you, you don't even, most of the film don't even notice, but literally everything is Legos. And then there's just little moments where I guess you maybe didn't experience this so much, not having played with Legos, but like every piece of water is a little see-through blue water piece. Right. Like yeah. Every explosion or fire is the little like, I'm holding my arm up, which doesn't help, but it's that kind of shape with an orange flame going on that you would stick on the little one piece and it'd stick up in the air. Later, Emmett gets surrounded by uh, Lord Business's evil attack robots. They all shoot. It's the little, like, inch-long red laser beam right, piece. Yeah. Little like, uh, tic-tac-looking things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so just every single, like, it's not something to easily convey through a podcast, I guess, but visually this film is, it blows me away. And even this is my, I guess, like I said, third time watching it. There was so many like little audio or not, little visual cues that I was just like, oh man, that's awesome. Like the fact that they went to the trouble of making everything fit this mold was really impressive. Right. I mean, it, it, it's a movie that you could easily see as sort of a cash grab. Like there's a built-in audience. People love Legos or whatever. Right. But I'm sure it's sold a million toys too. Right. But it's clear <laughs> that the people that made this movie love Legos. Like right. you wouldn't put all this work into it. It's genuine. Because like, you could just put Legos on the name and people would buy it and buy all the toys that go with it. But to go to all the links that you just talked about of making 
uh, you know, the water be the little water pieces and the, the right. fire bits and like putting that much love and into it, I feel like uh, just shows you the, the quality of the, the movie you get. We get the Everything is Awesome, a uh, very catchy song. I'm sure I'll play it at some point over the course of this. I actually I own the soundtrack to this oh, uh, movie. Really? Yeah, Kelsey bought that What for else me. is on there besides the song? Uh, mostly instrumentals and then Batman's song oh, later. Okay. But uh, real fun song. I've never really listened to Tegan and Sarah, but if everything sounded like that, then I'm on board. Plus the Lonely Island involved? Yeah. Uh, uh, unrelated. Did you see the trailer for the Lonely Island movie I that's coming did, out? yeah. That looks pretty funny. Andy Samberg, really funny. Um, yeah. I, I know like, you like the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, um, I feel like, you know, Saturday Night Live gets a, a bad rap now for, you know, not being as funny as it used to be, and that's probably true. He's not on there anymore, I know. But uh, even though he's not on there anymore, like, he is someone who seems to be genuinely uh, funny all the time. Like, wasn't he in that movie with Adam Sandler and <laughs> Rex Ryan? He can only do so much if yeah. he's in a movie with Adam Sandler. Like, Fair enough. Even though uh, everyone follows the same instructions and does the same thing, Emmett still doesn't fit in. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. We go to Emmett's work. He's a construction worker, uh, a natural job for a Lego person, I assume. But all the construction people follow the instructions on how to build everything. It's not creativity. It's this piece here, this piece here, like a union. They (laughs) build uh, it and then knock it back down at the end of the day, right? Yeah, so seemingly it's... uh, like completely meaningless work, but it's what you would do with your Lilos too. Like, hey, I built this building. Yeah, yeah. Now what? Okay, I'm gonna back down. Yeah, but you're right, and I wrote this down is because it seems a little contradictory. But uh, you know, everyone is basically a little mechanical like robot in this job. But at the same time, uh, Emmett is completely isolated, and none of his coworkers. They all seem to get along with each other, but no one cares about Emmett, even though he's trying to be their friends and. I was, uh, there's a weird, like, disconnect there. I don't, it works for plot convenience, but I don't know. Well, he's special. Well, he doesn't know he's a special. Well, yeah, but, but maybe he's always been well, special. In the next scene, we learn Chris Pratt is the special <laughs> <laughs> because he is closing up after work and he sees a shadowy figure. Uh, turns out the shadowy figure is a girl by the name of Wild Style. Uh, what is she, like a DJ or something? Yeah. Uh, voiced by Elizabeth Banks, uh, who plays yeah. that annoying girl in everything she's ever been in. Uh, yeah. She is breaking into the construction site because reasons we don't really know yet. Chris Pratt sees her, falls in love with her, just on first sight. Yeah, like stops in mid, like mid sentence. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> and then falls down a hole. And yeah. that's uh, when he wakes up. He sees what's referred to as the piece of resistance. One thing, uh, a bit of foreshadowing there, you may or may not have noticed, as he's following through the vortex there, and you see all these different flashes of images. Uh, one of the things that comes on the screen is a pair of human hands. Uh, oh, I didn't. And, I uh, didn't catch that. Yeah, that becomes an important plot so point a later bit on. Of him, so. I didn't notice it obviously the first time watching <clears throat> the movie, but in rewatching it. <laughs> so uh, he tries to grab. Does he try to grab the piece, or does he just like pass out next to it? I don't really recall. Yeah, I think he passes out next to it, and yeah. then somehow. Well, when he wakes up, right. it's stuck to his back, and he's getting interrogated by the character Bad Cop, who. Uh, I could, for the life of me, I couldn't remember who voiced him throughout this. Liam Neeson, yeah, that's which who is it was. fantastic. It's like, such a goofy role, right? Something you wouldn't expect him to do, especially coming off the like Taken movies that he'd been making at this point, and then yeah. like where well, the bad cop part falls along with that, but then the good cop and just silly. <laughs> just, little, hi everyone. I'm pretty sure he voices his parents in the movie too. The good cop's yeah. parents, or yeah, yeah. So Liam Neeson has Chris Pratt all tied up. This will be weird when I do like Snow White and I have to know character names right. and not just call out random person bad cop is interrogating chris pratt 
and in the process reveals, we didn't mention this earlier, when Emmett was getting ready to leave his house in the morning, sees on TV an event coming up called Taco Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is just something President Business is uh, setting up. It's meant to be giving back to the uh, to the nation. Right, but in talking to Good Cop, Bad Cop, we learned that Taco Tuesday is actually an acronym. Uh, I don't well, know. We find out the acronym later oh, on. Oh, I thought that was in this part. No, I think Lord Business reveals it, but I didn't write down what the acronym stands for. It's evil. That's what it is, because it's going to end the world. And uh, I wrote down, Emmett says... President Business is going to end the world, but he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Right, yeah. Wait a minute. After that, we get a little bit of a reveal about Emmett's sad relationship with his co-workers because Bad Cop shows the videos of him interrogating everyone, trying to find out what he can about Emmett, why Emmett's after the piece of resistance. None of his co-workers know who he is. They're uh, all completely lost they just know him as a background worker not his friend even though Emmett's been trying to be friends with all of them and it's very heartbreaking yeah it's yeah, about, sad yeah for someone who just wants to have friends and fit in have everyone, everyone like you does, and, yeah. and no luck there but uh yeah we reveal Emmett has the piece glued to his back bad cops trying to cut it out with a laser beam uh the laser beam we don't know this it fits in later on with a room full of things we see mm-hmm. down the line also the fact or why the lid sticks to his or why the piece sticks to his back uh, also uh, a bit of uh, foreshadowing here we find out later but. right um but then wild style who i called wild styles at this point in the paragraph uh the nosy on her name wild style breaks in and rescues emmett he, she Basically kicks ass, destroys all the robots, and it's awesome. And I don't know a good way to sum up action sequences better than that, but they escape when she builds a motorcycle out of the environment around her, which is not something we've seen any Legos doing yet. No, but it is something, uh, as someone who didn't play with Legos uh, as a child, but has played every Lego video game that has been out there, <laughs> that's that true. is what you do. You if walk you up to the little pile and, and press know, B. Yeah, and if you don't know what to do, you break some shit, and then eventually the pieces will start jumping up and down, and yeah, then you can... I remember that from, yeah. I guess, Lego Star Wars was probably the only Lego game I really played much of, but I know you went through all the terrible ones, like Indiana Jones and stuff. Yeah. I've played them all. The I think the Harry Potter ones are my favorite. Um, although by the the Hobbit ones, they had added little side missions where it's like I need twenty pieces of silver, and then you've got to go and do all this kind of stuff to help them. That's an improvement. I think it's kind of fun. Like yeah. in addition to a your fetch main quest, story. lovely. Yeah. So then we get a car chase. Uh, Wild Styles and Emmett escape on the motorcycle and are chased by a bad cop and all of his presumably other bad cops that he's friends with. <laughs> And in the process of this, Wildstyle transforms the motorcycle into a spaceship, which is precisely what I did every time I played with Legos. That's the only thing I ever made was spaceships. (laughs) You'll relate well to a character that appears later. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, that, uh, yes. (laughs) Uh, So they escape. Uh, Wildstyle tries to go a little exposition mode on Emmett here to explain who he is, what that means. She calls him the special and then immediately finds out that he's in no way special because he reveals that his favorite restaurant is any chain restaurant and his favorite TV show is Where Are My Pants and he is not he does not appear to be the special, which greatly upsets Wildstyle. But they escape through a portal. I wrote a question mark after that because it seemed kind of out of nowhere, but that transports them to the old uh, the Wild West. Is it Old West or Wild West? I think Old West. I called it racist Indian land. 
when they went there <laughs> because okay. as soon as they land, it's like, hi yo hi yo That's true, yeah. But after that, it was very appropriate. I don't know. But uh, I did write down there were some pretty awesome musical cues in this scene because uh, they sort of have a dramatic argument and things get heated while Styles very upset because she feels like Emmett has ruined everything. And I think she yells, you ruined the prophecy. And then we get like Spanish guitar. Dun-dun-dun. Right. And then I think when they first go into <coughs> the saloon, like the piano is yeah, playing like a ragtime. Everything is awesome. I right. Which that. is fantastic. I don't think I noticed that until watching it this time where I was like, oh man, that's cool. Also the scene of them walking into the saloon is probably the hardest I laughed in this when it's, uh, they try to disguise themselves as uh, old Western, you know, time-appropriate outfits, and Emmett cannot handle this, so he walks in and starts doing, like, bang, bang, and dancing all across the floor, right, yeah. and she yanks him back through the double doors, and she's like, okay, don't act like a cowboy. Act like a stool, and then he walks in on all fours and yells, I'm a stool! Somebody sit on me! <laughs> that is probably my favorite scene in the movie, and it's easily the dumbest. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, we uh, reveal the player of the ragtime, Everything is Awesome, is Morgan Freeman Vesuvius, <laughs> who is... Uh, in theory, look up his name. Yeah, I guess so. At this point, what difference does it really make? Uh, they try to explain uh, the, the more multiple Lego universes, which uh, is basically explained as a, well, you know, there's all these different universes, but we don't have time to, and then when... During the we haven't don't have time to explain this line, we get a quick flash of, like, so many cool Easter eggs. Like, we get Lego Bionicle shows up for a second, and the Lego Friends, which I think is, like, a, like, Bratz or Barbie, like, kind of a girly version of Legos, because I guess Legos aren't unisex, I don't know. <laughs> and also Speed Racer, which was random, but I think, I think at that point in the scene, it's sort of, uh, the audience can kind of pick up on the fact that, like, hey, holy shit. Lego has licensing for, like, so many franchises out there that this has the potential to be a really fun movie. And that becomes very evident later on when we get to Cloud Cuckoo Land. But Morgan Freeman's character's name is Vitruvius. Vitruvius. We were close. Uh, in talking to Emmett, they discover, like we said before, that he's not the special. Vitruvius discovers this as well. Uh, as uh, he continues to talk to... Uh, wild style she randomly tells him she has a boyfriend like out of nowhere like yeah just don't talk to me I have a boyfriend kind of line right which obviously she does because she likes him mm-hmm. gotta remind not only Emmett but herself that she has a boyfriend there you go maybe. which uh, becomes our you know sort of romantic plot throughout the movie which is not really central to the plots but not completely tacked on I guess it didn't feel like oh we gotta have a romance subplot right. it, it was pretty pain-free and then uh the boyfriend ends up being pretty pretty hilarious at right various points in the movie uh after we meet up with vitruvius we uh scene transition over to see what lord business is up to president business right yeah not the uh, same man of course well this is clever the scene dis- where we find out he's the same clever, man clever disguise uh reveal yeah he is a nice businessman he's going through his office like hey nancy got any messages today looking good you know just meeting everybody, shaking hands. Uh, but then as soon as he goes away from the public view, he turns into Lord Business and puts on his evil supervillain outfit and everything. And he reveals to us the Relic Collection. 
Well, they're meant to be tortured, or part of them are meant to be to- torture devices, like the Cloak of Ben Daid. <laughs> I wrote that. Uh, also, the Police Remover of Nail. Right, there's the Q-Teep as, mm-hmm. as well. Um, uh, it basically, it's like all the gross stuff that falls into the Lego box you have as a kid, right. which I, uh, again, you know, you didn't play with Legos, so you probably didn't experience that, but there was always, like, pennies and, like, paper clips and shit that just live in there, because you're six, you're not going to pull all those out exactly, and put them where yeah. they go. And, uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. This is the point where he explains what the uh, the taco... Right. He's going to... Oh, he... he uh, we see the craggle for the first time. Or at least the machine he builds out of the craggle, which mm-hmm. he's going to spray the entire Lego population with it, locking them in place forever. And he tests the device on Bad Cop's parents. It's Bad Cop's punishment for losing the piece of resistance. We also are introduced to the micromanagers at this point, which are the... Yeah, his little robot... Minions. Little claw hands that go around. Uh, they have make they make very strange noises, like like Paul Bearer noises for some <laughs> reason. Just I didn't notice that. As uh, like, I guess I didn't pick up on that when they were revealed. So later in the movie, I was like, "Why are they talking like that?" But uh, he also erases bad cop's good cop face. So now mm-hmm. only bad cop is left. Yeah, with the uh, the Polish remover of Nail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we jump back to the tavern. Uh, just, I wrote down here, I wish I had a Western Lego set as a kid, because it looked like a lot of fun. And then, oh, actually, this is where we meet Morgan Freeman. I jumped ahead a bit. But uh, we meet, they all meet up. Uh, Morgan Freeman starts to explain to Emmett what it means to be the special, how he needs him to be a master builder, and what the, all that entails. Yeah, but even that's done in a ridiculous way, where, like, he moves from, like, the ceiling to, like, just comes in, every time yeah. he comes on camera, it's from a different, ridiculous angle. That was very strange, just walking all over the room. Yeah. I did write down uh, the scene slightly before they go off to explain the master builder, where Wildstyle walks up behind uh, Morgan Freeman and tries to be like, it's me, Wildstyle. And then we get a quick list of names Wildstyle used to go by. Did you catch any of those? Uh, I don't remember them now, but I remember I, them funny. Yeah. yeah, I wrote down a couple, with, which included Darkstorm and Never Smile. Right. Which Never Smile made me laugh quite a lot. But then they decide to test uh, Emmett to see his potential for being a master builder. Uh, Wildstyle instructs Emmett to build a cool race car, and he does absolutely nothing. He just stands there and goes, I don't have a wheel or three other wheels. <laughs> right. He has no idea what he would need to make a car, except, of course, wheels. Right. Which is uh, really funny. So we get a little scene where we sort of mind meld into Emmett, because mm-hmm. uh, I guess wizard Morgan Freeman has that power. Right. Uh, we try to see if he has any original thoughts of his own, and we learn about the double-decker couch, which is apparently the only idea Emmett has, but uh, I wrote down, fuck everyone in this movie, that idea sounds awesome. I agree. Now, I do think where the way he set it up would kind of suck, where the legs would be in the way. Right. But uh, there was a guy I knew in college that had uh, two couches. Uh, he had I was like, gonna a say. platform, like, yeah. you know, stadium seating in his living room Ooh. with two couches. Like I... Uh, also a guy I know in college. The one time I went to his uh, apartment, like, freshman year or whatever, I'm pretty sure they had a double-decker couch going on. Like, they took the bunk bed, like, yeah. fixture and just put a couch on top of it. And I don't know why, but... So, so I reject that this is the, this idea is the worst, even if it's funny. Like, he later explains, like, it has cup holders and a cooler under the seats. Like, <laughs> uh, it's onto something here. Uh, I also thought uh, this might be a good time to bring up the couch taco, which... <laughs> 
is an invention of my own and our cousin Jack, who maybe someday will be on this podcast. He's kind of hard to, uh, you know, rope in to do something. But hanging out at, like, grandparents' houses for long stretches of days, uh, we would the setup was there was two identical couches in the living room of my grandparents' trailer. Rather than, like, one on each side of the room, we decided it would be a great idea to push them together so it's literally couch facing couch, no room in the middle. But if you're sitting on the couch, you can stretch your legs out in front of you or there's room to lay down. Like it, it turns the couch into a bed with like sides that you can lean against. And it's awesome. And Pretty genius. we it was even better because that was when we were briefly bringing our own TV to uh, Nana and Pop's trailer, which I guess led to my current setup of the two TV system. But we had it set up to where it was literally like. The couches are like lengthways, and in front of them is one TV, and on the other side is another TV. So we could just be sitting there and look to the left and play video games, or look to the right and uh, watch King of the Hill. I don't know what the hell we would have been watching <laughs> two thousand nine. Yeah, we did take it too far one time where we tried to play like a game of categories and put like six people on the same mm-hmm. couch. Taco, we were just like, well, was, we look like the the, the grandparents and Willy Wonka. <laughs> Basically, like that's the set everybody to fit onto the couch at the yeah. same time. It was a little uncomfortable and awkward. But, like, me and Jack tried to explain that to you and Nana and Mom and whoever else was there. And you were all like, that sounds like the dumbest thing ever. Why did you do this? And then we went to try it out. And you were universally like, oh, man, you guys were totally right about this. Where did the name uh, Couch Taco come from? I don't know. It looks like a taco. I guess. Like an open, like you're loading up your soft taco. (laughs) We are the meat and, you know, sour cream in this scenario so as after the mind meld uh they still feel like he could be the special because uh in in an epic bit of looking on the bright side uh morgan freeman is uh (laughs) he thinks that maybe emmett's head is just so void so vacuous and so empty yeah that maybe he won't have to clear his mind like other other master builders have had to do he can just you know right well his evidence for this is uh emmett has a vision and so Rev explains that he's in the past seen the man upstairs, and I'm doing finger quotes as I say that. Uh, we don't know much about him. That's seemingly who the people, all the master builders are trying to, you know, be in contact with, some sort of higher power who controls everything. And Emmett, because of his empty mind, has had visions of him, which gives Vitruvius hope that he can be the special. I actually had his name in my notes all along, Vitruvius. Did you? Bad Cop arrives with a posse of cowboy robots and surrounds the heroes. Another chase sequence ensues, and it's a big dramatic thing where they sort of rebuild what they're escaping on several times. I just summed it up with they escape via glider, then boat, then pig wagon. So basically, uh, Wild Styles, every time it crashes, rebuilds something new. We do get a brief moment of... Uh, Emmett actually pulling things together and using his head, literally, to solve the dangerous situation on hand. Their wagon loses a wheel. He sticks his head in the wheel and jams it down there, and it worked. Morgan Freeman has a line that says, Trust your instincts, and uh, Emmett puts two bricks together and throws them, and then Morgan Freeman finishes the line, Unless your instincts are terrible. <laughs> so, Which is good advice for life, really. Yeah, just There's some people whose instincts... Do not trust them. Exactly. Bad cop blows up the bridge they're trying to escape on, and it looks like everyone's falling to their death. Emmett and Wildstyle have a little heartfelt eye-to-eye moment as they're crashing down, and they're rescued by Batman. Batman is my favorite character in this film. 
he is Wild Style's boyfriend, and he is an asshole. So, <laughs> a lot of fun. And while he's driving everybody out of there, he's like, "Oh man, check out these sweet subwoofers I got in the back. Listen to these babies bark." And incredibly self-absorbed Batman. Mm-hmm. He pops in a uh, mix CD that he made for Wild Style, which contains such lyrics as "Darkness, no parents." Super rich, kind of makes it better. That's the bonus track on the yes. soundtrack. Voiced by Will Arnett. Oh, yeah, that was him. Have you ever watched Arrested Development? I have not. He's a lot of fun in that. I did watch a show he was on called The Millers, where season one, <coughs> hilarious. Season two, dog shit. <laughs> what like, went wrong? I don't know. It was like, I don't know if they took out every writer they had in the first season. Like, first season, really funny. Second season, just awkward and painful for most of it. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Isn't he in something now like Last Man on Earth? That's I think that's a show. That's not not him. him. Okay, no. never mind. <laughs> that's that other guy whose name I can't remember. Right Will now. Forte. Yes, really. That's the oh, one. okay. But then we go to the Master Builder's uh, secret hideout, uh, referred to as Cloud Cuckoo Land. It is up in the clouds. I wrote down Cloud Cuckoo Land looks like My Little Pony threw up on a Skittles commercial. Yeah, there there are no <clears throat> rules in Cloud Cuckoo Land. You can, Pure chaos. Yeah, you can do just as you please there. There's a fun little gag before we get in there where uh, I enjoyed enough to write down, I guess, where Morgan Freeman goes, everyone stand back, I have to do the secret knock. Door opens. <laughs> that's, that's solid comedy right there. So secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet another character, Princess Unikitty, who is all happiness all the time because she's dead inside. Unikitty, mostly a one-note joke throughout this, but it's a note that makes me laugh, so I, it gets away with it. And then we get, uh, I think what the entire movie was sold upon was this one scene where, like, there's a million awesome cameos, which include uh, Gandalf, Dumbledore, uh, Michelangelo, Michelangelo, right. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Abraham Lincoln, like, who the hell bought a Lego Abraham Lincoln set? Superman and the Green Lantern. That, yeah, that's a running gag that Green Lantern's a dork. Do you know who's voice, voicing the two of them? Uh, uh, Jonah Hill was Green Lantern. Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, the guys from oh, uh, I didn't know 21 so. Jump Street. I, so they're sort of, I may not have ever seen anything Channing Tatum was in. Essentially playing their characters from 21 Jump Street, uh, where, you know, Channing is really cool and Jonah is not. And you know, Is he Magic Mike? He, yeah, yes, yeah, he is. I didn't see that either, but just asking. Uh, we also meet... Uh, pirate robot I wrote down his name is actually Metalbeard but mm-hmm. I don't I didn't remember him at first but I wrote down he has a shark for a hand which really makes me wish I had pirate Legos as a kid as yeah, well because that's badass in Morgan Freeman's speech uh, he he introduces all these other characters that are hanging out in in Cloud Cuckoo Land the, the master builders mm-hmm. but he keeps getting uh, uh, Dumbledore's yeah. name wrong uh, he calls him Dumbledore at one point and <laughs> I wrote down Gandalf, Dumbledore, and Morgan Freeman have a wise old man off. <laughs> right, which is great. Uh, but Dumbledore made me think of uh, back uh, in college, before I had seen any of the Harry Potter movies, I was hanging out with a bunch of people who were really into Harry Potter. You would have been uh, probably a bit too old for Harry Potter, right? Right. So when was, the books came out, it would have been, I was too old to have read them, like, right. that's kid stuff, you know. And I, the same thing I started movies. reading them, like, 
2004, I guess. So, which but everybody you would have graduated by then. So. Right. So everybody playing the game is super into uh, Harry Potter, and I at the time was not. Since then, had read them uh, and watched the movies. Big fan now. Was not a fan at the time, and so they asked. Uh, right. Not like not a fan. It was just clueless. Just totally like, clueless don't know the and wizard so books. One of the things you had to do in this game, some sort of Harry Potter Harry Potter trivia game. You had to first decide what your house name was going to be for your team, mm-hmm. and obviously I didn't have a clue what any of the house names were, so I looked at my friend and I was like, Giggle Snatch. <laughs> we're the house of Giggle Snatch. No, Which, you have to be, uh, it's no, Gryffindor, they, they Slytherin. Slytherin. doesn't matter, Huffle, whatever, Huffle, Pussy, whatever. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> Giggle Snatch. And, uh, Huffle, we, Pussy. <laughs> We threw enough of a fit where we got oh, to be Google Snatch, and somehow or another, I believe we actually ended up winning the game. Which even <laughs> you won a trivia game yeah. on a thing you had never watched <laughs> because I was really fucking good at guessing because everything was multiple choice. Well, Harry Potter kind of easy to uh, right, it's figure not, out. Like, oh, it's Professor Werewolf. Well, I wonder what his power is going to be. Right, like. yeah, his name is Lupin. It's right <laughs> in the name. Like, uh, so back to the film. <laughs> uh, the the plan is they got to break into. Uh, Lord Business's Evil Fortress, which looks very evil. Uh, it's like a million Legos tall, and it's surrounded by an evil... Uh, it's like a v- infinite void underneath it, so I have no idea how they're going to get there. They reveal that Metalbeard uh, was the last person to try an attack on the tower, and he was thwarted by lasers, sharks, and then laser sharks, <clears throat> which is, I guess, where his body went. Morgan Freeman tells Emmett to step up and give a speech and, you know, empower everyone... The council have zero faith in Emmett and abandon him. So things seem pretty hopeless right now. And it gets even worse because Bad Cops crashes into Cloud Cuckoo Land, storms the meeting, and destroys everything with a golf ball. Sorry, the orb of Teetliest. (laughs) Oh, and there's also a a good joke I like here. Uh, The DC people here, obviously Batman, uh, Wonder Woman as well. The Batmobile gets destroyed and then like... I'll uh, take the, the ships fly Yeah, and then the ships fly back and shoot nothing and it explodes. <laughs> I love a good invisible jet joke. I know you never watched SpongeBob, but there was a lot of those. Uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy drive the invisible boat mobile. I feel like this whole podcast is just going to be you shaming me for not watching things. It might be. Like, well, you know, we what, am I, what are we going to talk about during Snow White? Like, okay. there's not going to be references I there. I hadn't read Harry Potter at the time of that story. I haven't seen Arrested Development. I haven't yeah, seen true. SpongeBob. Like... Um, they're escaping. Uh, Batman and Wildstyle have uh, pretty hilarious passive-aggressive couple fights, I wrote down. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what that was at this point, but I remember laughing. And it shows their relationship not so great, because Batman kind of a dick. Right, yeah. Every, the important, I'll quote, uh, the important characters escape together while the one-note jokes are all destroyed or uh, taken away by the bad guys. Right. So we're left with Batman, Wildstyle... I wrote Batman again. <laughs> There's only one There's Batman. Only one Batman. Uh, to be clear. Uh, Vitruvius uh, spaceship guy. His name is Benny. Uh, he's voiced by Charlie Day. Uh, this is where I would say, have you watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No. no but I you haven't. haven't. How about Horrible Bosses? No, I watched that. Either. Funny, actually. I didn't see that till like a year ago, but I laughed a lot. He was on Raw once when Horrible Bosses hosted I, Raw. I did see that because I have missed like an episode right. of Monday Night Raw in my life. Uh, Princess Unikitty there with them as well, and Emmett. Uh, they are trying to escape via submarine, which leads to everybody trying to build their own submarine at the same time, which gives me miserable flashbacks to actually playing with Legos with other people, because it's like, 
I need all the black pieces. Everyone give me your blacks. No, <laughs> I'm trying to find, like, a gun piece to put on here. Like, that's, playing Legos by yourself is awesome. Playing with other people is like, oh, my God. I don't care what you're trying to build. Give me that piece. But basically, nobody can work together because everyone's a precious little snowflake and wants to build their own thing. Right, yeah. Uh, basically, they build a submarine, but it immediately starts falling apart and flooding, and they need somebody to save them. This is where we see Emmett has built the, uh, I'm going to call it a couch taco, but the double-decker couch is mm-hmm. what it's called. He's built that, uh, tries to explain how cool it is. Morgan Freeman ain't having it, says it's the dumbest idea that's ever been created. But they are able to hide inside the seats when the submarine gets blown up, and they survive the crash and are not found by bad cops. What are the robots? The Micromanagers, that's what they're called. Micromachines. I feel like even if uh, you didn't have any Lego playing experience, like, you know what happens when there's too many people trying to be in charge at mm-hmm. the same time. Like, you need people to just be rule followers. Too many like, chiefs. Right, yeah, or, yeah. So you've got, you, you just need one person to say, hey, we're going to build this, and here's how to do it, and everyone else to follow that plan. If everybody's trying to work on their own plan, uh, it often will fall apart, and that's what happens to them. Mm-hmm. Except for the genius of the couch taco. Not right. you got me doing <laughs> yeah, yep. double-decker taco. <laughs> Okay, uh, the heroes get picked up by Metal Beard, who praises the double-decker couch because it was an idea, I quoted this, so dumb and bad that no one could possibly think it'd be useful. And then he says that's how Emmett's going to save them, is he's got ideas, they need ideas like that, because that's how they're going to get around Lord Business. Yes, uh, so it's the second uh, major character to uh, backhanded compliment Emmett in this way, like we had your brain being so empty that you you can mind. how he's going to get ahead in life. Yeah. Emmett does sort of take the reins here, and he explains that the last thing Lord Business would ever expect for the Master Builders to do is follow the instructions and work together. So that's the game plan going forward. So he suggests they're going to build a spaceship, not... uh, This is when Benny the spaceship guy goes crazy, like, oh my god, give me all the pieces. That's a recurring joke. Right. Uh, But he says, nope, we're not building a spaceship like that. What we're going to do is follow the instructions. We'll build one that looks exactly like his... All of his hundreds of millions of shipping things that come to his tower all the time. That way they can blend in, it'll all work together, and it's the last thing Lord Business would expect. There's one snag in that plan. Uh, They would need a hyperdrive, which they don't have. Batman says, what is a hyperdrive just going to appear out of nowhere when suddenly Star Wars happens? (laughs) I think uh, a lot of people got enjoyment out of this cameo. Uh, mostly I wrote down that Billy D. Williams showed up for this film, but Harrison Ford didn't. Yeah, so that's true. that showed that, that that was all I really needed to take note of. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, you wanted to do Star Wars, but you know, guess who's not here to play? Although I guess that could have had something to do with the movie. So then Batman uh runs <clears throat> off with uh with the guys on the Millennium Falcon, uh, much to Wild Style's dismay and Emmett, Yeah, he seemingly deserts everyone yeah, to go Emmett, hang out with the new cool guys. Emmett thinks this is his chance, but Alas. Doesn't, nope, Batman returns, it was all a ruse, he comes back with the hyperdrive, and now they can go build a spaceship and break into the facility on the first try. Right. And this is where I wrote down, holy fucking talk block, Batman. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty appropriate. Essentially what happened there, <clears throat> Batman's really rude uh, to Image just because, uh, you know, he's jealous that Lucy seems to kind of be interested uh, in him. What character? Batman. Nope. Is rude to Emmett? No. What? You said a name that we haven't learned yet. Who did I say? You said Lucy. Oh, well, I'm Wild sorry, Style. Wild Style uh, <laughs> is kind of into him. And, right. Yeah. Um, so now we get the big montage. Like, this 
Uh, Emmett's laying out the plan. This is how we're going to go into the... You must have learned it at this point, or I wouldn't have put it in my notes, right? Like, I wouldn't have remembered that. I don't know, man. Uh, Maybe you said it early on. The reveal hasn't happened yet, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, So we get the big montage laying out the plan. Here's how we're going to do this. Build the spaceship. Uh, Batman, I don't remember who was with Batman, but they're going in, driving the ship. Uh, Basically, they take out the little guard that's uh, running the toll booth, and then they need to raise the toll booth arm up. Batman decides to do this by throwing a battering at the button, which uh, reminds me of what Batman does every time I'm playing Arkham Asylum. <laughs> and it's just, eh, yeah. next one. But it he nailed uses it. a gag here, which is something I use every day in my real life, which is after you fail something four or five <laughs> times to then finally get it right and then say, first try as you're walking away when everyone knows that it was not your first try. So I wrote that down. It's like, I did that. <laughs> Next, the next note I wrote down was eating spaghetti now, which is not something that happened in the film. That's what I was doing. That was my lunch. I guess I decided to let that that know. uh, Improved your appreciation of the well, it didn't improve my note taking because I had to be like shit. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so maybe my notes are a little sparse in this part. I might need your help. But uh, when laying out the plan, part of the plan is Bruce Wayne, the businessman, filibustering the Taco Tuesday meeting, which I found very funny that. Everyone just drops that, and then Batman has to be like, Bruce Wayne, who's that guy? <laughs> no one. Why would Bruce Wayne, the uh, the millionaire, come help us out? Like, come on, guys. Like, I thought that was really funny. And everyone's just like... So Bruce Wayne goes and filibusters right. the meeting. Batman's keeping it kayfabe there. Mm-hmm. Emmett and Wildstyle's role in this uh, break-in scenario are to dress up as robots and sort of blend in with the crowd. They don't do a good job of that, but they get out of it by singing Everything is Awesome, which all the robots join in, which, you know, good way to get another sing-along going. Then they end up in an air duct overlooking the piece of resistance, which is hidden behind lasers and everything. And Wild Styles gets a, uh, a deep introspective soliloquy where she reveals that she really wanted to be the special. She's apologizing that she's been sort of jealous and bitter about it, but she's sort of explaining the reason why. It's sort of deep, which is... Uh, also immediately cock-blocked by Batman, who shows up to be like, oh, well, I've did everything, let's go, what are you doing sitting around talking? Sort of ruins the deep moment. This is where we reveal her name's Lucy, by the way. This is where I wrote down, I gotta hit myself in my notes. Ha! So this is only <clears throat> fucking cock-blocked Batman. Oh, there you go. Batman interrupts, because of course he does. Uh, sarca- uh, he, there's a sarcastic Batman line in here, which I kind of like the disconnect about uh, Emmett not having friends way early on. Sort of caught me off. Where, like, Emmett's going through the plan and Batman's not paying attention. And Batman sarcastically says, don't worry, Dad, I read your dumb instructions. Batman and his dad, like, that's sort of Batman's entire motivation. Right. I don't think he would be casually dropping Dad, like, in a sarcastic way like that. Probably not. No, although he is, I think he does try to live up to his father's legacy or whatever. Uh, Bruce Wayne does. In this film or the the character? The character himself does. Right. Film Batman. No. This film Batman, like, seemed kind of random, but I don't know. There's probably a lot more going on to this than how I summed it up, but I just wrote down, the good guys fuck up and get captured, so. Right, and. Which I guess anyone could have guessed. This is where we get Morgan Freeman uh, making his last stand. (laughs) Yeah, this one I summed up with, Morgan Freeman breakdance fights all the robots. Yeah, I, uh. Hated this, and it's Yoda. Not, it's yeah, that was my <laughs> thought. Uh, it's not their fault, uh, but it made me think of Star Wars, and I, I like Star Wars. Episode two. You yeah. don't have to say you like that right. one, right? Because you don't have to show us Yoda being a great warrior. Like right. we've all accepted that he is, 
and it's it's stupid. Like right. he comes in with this little cane, and then he's oh shit, and watch him jump <laughs> all over the place. Starts doing all the uh, parkour, right? And and spoilers, it's, we get two of those Yoda instances in this movie because we also get it with Princess Unicate. Uh, well, she goes on. into like Ken Shamrock rage mode, right? Later. Or like in Over the Hedge with the with the squirrel when he drinks the uh, the Red Bull. But yeah, guess what film hedge. I don't remember. <laughs> I watched it once, but. Oh, uh, no. Steve Carell's character. Where this is better than Yoda in Star Wars Episode 2. Morgan Freeman breakdance fights and kills everyone, but then he immediately gets killed with, like, Lord Business cuts off his head. Right, he goes from being Yoda in Star Wars to being Obi-Wan in Star yeah, Wars and killed In the good Star Wars. Yeah, right. Uh, which I wrote down kind of a heavy moment for a kid's film, but that was immediately undercut by Morgan Freeman's eyes turning into X's and going like, meh. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that. That's a good way to balance that. I guess we'll get into this a lot more when we get to like Bambi and stuff, but we'll, it's a recurring theme in like kids' movies where we deal with something really sad or really heavy, and then immediately afterwards it's the happiest scene ever. <laughs> like. Once we get to Bambi, that'll... Which is not new. Like, that that's a Shakespeare thing, too. Like, you have yeah. moments to break the tension by... Uh, that's true. ...comic relief. But I, I also, this has nothing to do with this movie, but with Disney, like, people acted like... I remember when Lion King came out, and, like, people were super upset uh, when, spoilers, Mufasa dies, and, like... Oh, no, like, we weren't can, supposed to talk like, about that for, like, 40 episodes. How can you do that? Like, it's a kid's movie. How can they make... It's like Disney has always done that. Right. Like, well, Bambi, uh, which came out 60 years earlier. Right, and even, like... Probably not that many, but... Several of the princesses have parents that have died off-screen, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, before yeah. the movie had started, in, in the case of, like, Snow White and Cinderella, and, like... Right. And so, but, so they act like, how could you do that? Like, I mean, that's normal. That's, like, yeah. Um, if we ever do cover any of those Don Bluth movies, uh, that's always a recurring thing in him in his films because it's like, I think he had a philosophy that was like, kids can take it just as long as it ends up with a happy move, uh, ending right. in the end, which is why you get shit like Littlefoot's mom and like all kinds of other heartbreaking kids movie moments where it's just like yeah now you gotta deal with death little Timmy like this right. is how it works but maybe that helps them <clears throat> they're gonna have to deal with it at some point right I think that definitely is like the stronger moments on several uh, Don Bluth films and also the Disney movies that go there I was gonna say something and I don't remember what it was it wasn't about like a movie I can tell you that well, <laughs> right it uh, could be anything yeah we'll just keep on going I guess uh, so Morgan Freeman's dead seemingly uh, Lord Business cuts the piece of resistance from Emmett's back and throws it out into the infinite void which do you is, remember what he uses to cut it from his back uh, the knife of exact zero the sword of exact <laughs> zero it. yeah that made me laugh a lot and then after he throws it out there, he yells, it's not personal, it's just business, which I wrote down. Sounds like a great wrestler catchphrase. <laughs> really does. Like, did IRS use that? I don't know. He should have. Either him or someone from the York Foundation. Yeah, there you go. We're getting real obscure now. Um, so now, seemingly, there's nothing to stop Lord Business, so he... Taking the top of his tower to fly out into the city with the tacos slash... Oh, we reveal that the craggle was crazy glue. I guess maybe we did that where we sprayed the people, but mm-hmm. okay. we did read it. Brad yeah. Cop's parents. Well, he's sp- he's going to spray the whole world with tacos slash glue. Basically, everything looks the absolute shittiest at this point. But then uh, fucking ghost Morgan Freeman <laughs> drops down hanging from a string, which made me laugh my ass off because I forgot about that. But he explained the only thing anyone needs to be special is to believe that you can be. I know that sounds like a cat poster, but it's true. 
And that motivates Emmett, who rocks himself out of this torture device he was locked up into and hurls himself out the window into the infinite void to retrieve the piece of resistance, which also stops an explosive device that was going to go off, which I probably should have mentioned. But <laughs> So Emmett pulls the, the martyr move, saves everybody, sacrificing himself. He's falling off. But where has he gone to? And I think at this point, this movie goes from goofy fun to actually this is a great movie that we'll all remember for a long time. Right. It's definitely a surprising <clears throat> twist. We get... Uh... Right. Well, before we actually get to that, uh, there's a little more stuff that happens. Wildstyle hijacks a camera and speaks to the population. Oh, yeah, Lego, yeah, yeah. Lego land is what I call it. But I think it's called like Brick Town, Brickville, something like that. She empowers them into using their imagination to fight Lord Business. She says, build whatever, anything, whatever your mind wants to do. This is how we got to fight. And then the line is... Uh, is uh, this will no longer be known as Taco Tuesday. This will, from now on, be known as Freedom Friday, but still on a Tuesday, <laughs> which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote down that his, Emmett's sacrifice frees all the builders and the normals build shit, which made me <laughs> uh, giggle to myself because I started thinking about the Ultimate Warrior promo. I'm like, you are nothing but a normal! <laughs> and he throws Sean Mooney out of the way and then goes on about wrestling. Yeah, that's... Hulkamania. That's very fitting. Uh... Bad cop has a face turn, meaning yeah. he, literally he literally turns his face yeah. around and becomes a good guy again. And spaceship guy finally gets to build a spaceship. So that's his story arc over and done with. All the remaining heroes take the fight to Lord Business. And now we rejoin Emmett in the Infinite Void, which is revealed to be an IRL basement floor. Uh, it's a room dedicated to intricate Lego displays, all with large do not touch signs. And a small child enters the room playing with the spaceship that Benny the spaceship guy built in the previous scene and revealed this whole plot uh, seemingly is all in this child's head. And that really writes off a lot of the MacGuffin cliches and a lot of the story that feels kind of ham-handed. It's it's all a child's emotions. So going back to the... uh the things that Lord Business had before, like the cloak of Bandaid and all that, mm-hmm. that's him using those extra real props that are around. Part to, as part of his storyline, that he's playing with these little toys. And uh, it goes one step further because, uh, you know, the child finds Emmett on the floor, speaks to him, but then the door opens from upstairs and down walks his father, Will Farrell, who is the voice of Lord Business, and we realize... The entire, uh, the, the villain of this film, his entire motivation and everything, it's all characterized based on this child's father. Because the father plays with the Legos, but he doesn't play with the child's imagination. He builds them, he locks them in place, he follows the instructions, and no one's allowed to touch anything or mess this up. It's like a, a obsessive kind of control over everything that you know, an eight-year-old child just wants to have fun and play with his father and doesn't get to experience that. So that is all characterized through the craggle, which is called crazy glue, is going to lock everything in place. And the citizens of Legoland are all heartbroken about it because the child's heartbroken about it. And that's really deep for a movie that it was is. just talking about tacos and goofy shit earlier on. And to make sure the kids are still okay with that, they undercut that with the is it a toy or not debate that the kid <laughs> and Will Ferrell mm-hmm. uh, have with each other, which uh, is legitimately the crux of the whole movie but it's done in such a nonsense right. they're not why is, why is the dragon on top of the tower right and then these uh, these are not the kids and like these shows them the box where it says the age is like, like is 8 to su- 14 that is a suggestion <laughs> I don't even think that's right so he's, what we're gonna do is we're gonna put everything back the way it was things can be put back where they go 
and glue them that way <laughs> permanently. And then the son's trying to fight this. He's saying, no, because well, Will Ferrell's like, what is the construction worker uh, on the ground or whatever? And it's like, or the child's like, he's not just a construction worker. He's the hero. And then we sort of get Emmett back inside Emmett's head watching all this, seeing, I guess, both of them in from upstairs. I don't or the man upstairs, whatever the <laughs> line was earlier. Yeah. But uh, we get a great scene where Emmett is like, He's, he's got to find a way to save himself here because he's stuck on a table, but he knows if he can drop down, he can get the piece, he can get back in the fight. And the, the scene where he tries to wiggle off the table <laughs> makes me laugh very hard every time because uh, Will Ferrell's just sitting there gluing his pieces back together, and then all of a sudden you see the tiny little Lego man just... And then uh, that is superimposed with, like, now we're in Emmett's head, and it's just... Like grunting as hard mm-hmm. as he can to get off. After he gets to the floor, though, he grabs the piece and the son distracts the dad and sends Emmett back through the magic portal to save his friends. And Emmett, having gone through this experience, is now a master builder. And he creates, I called it a giant whoop-ass robot, <laughs> which he uses to be in destroying all Lord Business's micromanagers. And he makes his way to Lord Business at the top of the tower, uh, but Lord Business is prepared and freezes him to the ground with the craggle. Then we get sort of the uh, the climax, if you will, is really just a meeting of two different opinions here because Emmett explains to Lord Business the, the importance of imagination and also reveals that the builders have all been inspired by Lord Business's work, which is the son inspired by the father. Right, but, and, and to hammer that home, we go back, we cut back and yeah, forth from Emmett it's speaking a dual, to Lord Business. Uh, conversation. Yeah. And then we get a good perspective. Uh, we get sort of just a close-up on Will Ferrell's face. He's seeing like looking at the things his son has built and it's like he's seeing it for the first time. He's realizing that he shouldn't be squashing his son's imagination that toys are meant to be played with and enjoyed. And now it's not, Hey son, don't touch this. It's son. Let's play with this together. I want to see what you can do. And it becomes a father and son into actually enjoying Legos, which is, Hey, I'm, that's probably what everyone in the audience could relate to in somewhat, because right. I imagine it was mostly children and parents. And like, it was such an un- unexpected thing. Like, you right. go to see this little kid's cartoon movie, and then all of a sudden it's fucking Field of Dreams out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I've never seen that film. Right. Ah, that's me this time. Okay. <laughs> well, spoilers, the guy gets to play catch with his dad one more time. Aww. That's uh, that's what the, now they're playing together. They're father-son coming together, playing with things together. See, there you go. Yeah. Um, I was going to say another thing, damn it. <laughs> I did start calling Lord Business Dad Business in this, <laughs> at this point. Uh, back in Lego versions of the story, uh, Dad Business has a change of heart and embraces Emmett's. Uh, Emmett's kind of like, oh, we got a hugger. and it, But it cuts back to reveal Will Ferrell's actually hugging his son. And it's cute. Emmett reunites with his friends. Batman apologizes and tells Lucy that Emmett is the hero Lucy deserves. Kind of a random change of heart that happens in like two seconds and is over with. But Lucy and Emmett finally hold hands. Dad and son play with their Legos together. And then from upstairs, we hear the mom call them to dinner, which is tacos. It's Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. But also on a Tuesday. (laughs) And then the dad tells his son that, hey, if you're allowed to come downstairs and play with the Legos, then that means... So does your younger sister, and then we get Planet Duplo, and that's the end of the film. And we roll credits and sing, everything is awesome, one more time. And so that's the Lego movie. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, I wrote down a little final thoughts paragraph, which started with, I still fucking love this movie. So I was trying to think, like, any other animated films in the past few years that I've, 
I don't know, I guess had such an attachment to was this one. And I really can't think of any, like people <clears throat> like a frozen. I enjoyed, uh, big hero six. I enjoyed, but I can't think of any like big feature films like that recently that, uh, I felt like had as much to say as Lego movie did. Yeah, and and to be that imaginative, people uh, attribute that really just to Pixar movies, I think. Right. And, but uh, way more imaginative, outside of maybe uh, Inside Out, which is pretty... Yeah, Inside Out was great. Right. I, that might be... that. Those are probably neck and neck, Inside Out and But especially Lego since movie. you weren't really expecting it, although, like, I, like we said, there are some hints along right. the way with the random objects that are thrown in, with the hands that show up uh, early in the movie, with mentioning the man upstairs and all that. But it's still, it's, it was a surprising reveal in the theater, uh, for me at least. Uh, uh, question. Did you recognize it was Will Ferrell's voice the first time you saw it as yes. the villain? Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think I picked up on that. Because it wasn't like, I guess the only other uh, Will Ferrell voiceover role I know is the dad from the Oblongs, mm. which is so like, golly gee, like... Right. Uh, uh, I recognize him because I also watched <clears throat> that, what's the name of the movie with like Brad Pitt and Tina Fey? superheroes and then like Will Ferrell's the bad guy in that movie but he has a mega mind. mind that's yes. I watched that one time and don't remember it Will Ferrell is the, the titular character there right uh, so into the film here uh, would you we're gonna be using a sort of a rubric that we haven't entirely fleshed out yet for grading the Disney's uh, since this is not a Disney film I don't know how it's going to apply to this but right. would you like to explain the rubric a bit the the Disney rubric that I've worked out uh I tried to make a, a rubric that would be simple to remember, uh, and so all the things in my rubric uh, start with M. I don't know why they start with M, but they you do. You couldn't get all of them to. You but were shooting I, for that. I reworked it so that they do. <laughs> okay. Uh, so basically, the first thing you have uh, that makes any good story work is your bad guy, but obviously because I wanted them to start with M, uh, he's called the Meanie, uh, mm-hmm. and the Meanie in this one is, uh, he's pretty good, um, and he right. doesn't. He's, I, for, I just wrote villain. I didn't call it meanie. Uh, I, I gave, I'm using an out of five uh, for this rubric. So I gave the villain a four because he's, he's, as a character, pretty deep. You know, he's very complex because he has a relatable motivation that's not meant to be. I'm including dad, Will Ferrell, in this and not just Lord Business. Because uh, he's not meant to just be taking over the world because he wants to or anything. It's like it's his hobby. Things have a place where they go. Don't mess with it. Uh which is, I mean, that's not like an evil Disney villain right. like Scar or a Wicked Witch. And that's, usually that's, that's a Wizard of Oz. Wicked stepmother. In a, in a Disney villain would be something so over the top. Right. And, ridic- and it's Well, I mean, that villain and also this will tie in villain song. Usually I think uh, contributes to a good villain. But that's all more animated Disney canon. Not really appropriate here. Right. Uh, but I think it is hard to take Will Ferrell seriously as a villain because he's yeah. just so goofy mm-hmm. all the time. Like, So what was your number for that one? I, I, I didn't uh, make up one, but I would say oh, okay. three and a half probably. Um, Come up with a rubric and then don't give scores for your I, rubric. I didn't know we were using the rubric on oh, this okay. movie since it wasn't a Disney movie. Uh, music. Uh, usually, music, that's an M. <laughs> yeah, usually that would be mostly for original music. Uh, right. A lot of the later Disney movies are going to use a lot of like Lilo and Stitch uses Elvis music and yeah, it's, I watched that stuff. one time. I don't really Me remember too. it. Uh, maybe twice, but anyway. But the the music, music everything is awesome. It's not a musical though, like <laughs> right. most your Disney movies are. So right. while that is a cool song, and I think uh, maybe if you ended the movie earlier with Emmett just laying on the ground, and then you could do 
uh, you know the end of the wrestler where uh, it shows the credits and it's mm-hmm. a really sad ass Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah, like I was like thinking we could do that uh, with every, everything is awesome. <laughs> everything is there cool when you're part uh, of a team. There is an acoustic. Everything is awesome in the credits and on the soundtrack. But not. Mopey. Yeah, it's more like uh, you haven't watched Parks and Rec. Nope. Which show. Chris Pratt's, uh, you know, Emmett's. He uh, is in a band on Parks and Rec called uh, Mouse Rat. And they okay. kind of like Dave Matthews band. That's his biggest influence throughout the show. But they do a big anthem uh, at the end of season three called By Little Sebastian. And it's sort of similar. Not really relevant. You should watch Parks and Rec. <laughs> Um, I gave music three out of five because I love Everything is Awesome and the Batman song, but eh, the rest of the film, like, it's not memorable. For your Disney movies, Which, this music would be right because it's a musical. Also, disclaimer, uh, even for the actual Disney films we're going to review, this rubric is basically judging, like, how Disney the movie is and what is the pinnacle Disney movie. They can be good movies that are just not Disney-ish. Like, if it doesn't get a great score here, it might be... Like, if I was objecting how, if, if I was objectively trying to quantify how much I liked the film, it may get a way radically different score than the Disney rubric, so. Uh, the next thing uh, is the plot, which I call the matter, mm-hmm. the matters. Uh, and the plot of this one, uh, it's, you know, it's silly, but it's meant to be silly uh, right. up until you get the big <clears throat> reveal at the, at the end. I, I, I love the, the plot of this, you know, I'd yeah. go you know, four, four and a half probably out of five. I went with five for plot guy. I called it fucking outstanding. Uh, Cause it, I mean, it's goofy fun. And then it like gets, you know, it sort of gets at your heart strings. Right. It, it sneaks up on you that right. way. Yeah. And then just in general, I love the idea of a story being told from the eyes of a child. Like, another reference of a thing you haven't experienced but the game Earthbound for the Super Nintendo. It's one of the wackiest, like, really kind of dark games out there, but it's like you're like a six-year-old child on an adventure with a baseball bat, like, so it's, it's, it's got a really dark undertone, but since it's from the eyes of a child, nothing seems that weird. It's just like, oh, this is how things are going. Like, that really explains this story, not so much in the, you know, dark uh, undertone, but just a different view on a story because you're getting it from a nine-year-old's point of view or however old the kid is. The uh, the fourth M <coughs> is the, and I uh, had to borrow a French phrase for this, but it's also a filmmaking... Uh, mise-en-scene. Phrase, mise-en-scene, yes. Which it, is... What is that? Is basically everything uh, that the audience sees. So it would be... So visuals? It would be visuals, but also like the, the way the different... could be the expressions of the actors. It's the, you know costumes, all those mm-hmm. things, uh, if you were talking about a live-action thing in that case. Right. Um, and so visuals in this movie are fantastic with everything being Legos, except for the, you know, surprise at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. That I did not rank it on mise-en-scene because I forgot what one of the categories was. I went with comedy, <laughs> but mise-en-scene is important. Uh, and if we're rank- just the presentation of this film, uh, I've stated several times, amazes me. Just from the creative direction and, like, music... Uh, visuals, it's all outstanding. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the film is close to flawless. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't like this movie, something is wrong with you. I <laughs> yeah, feel like, or I, I mean, you didn't even play Legos growing up, so right. Yeah, so I feel like if you didn't like this movie, you went into it going, "I'm not going to like a cartoon," or I guess so. something like that. Because right. it's it's amazing. Uh, side note, comedy. I gave it a five out of five because yeah. I laughed a lot, even having seen the film twice before. And then we're down to the last one right now. Which is Disney Magic Moments, which, of course, right. 
uh, although the, the moment where it's revealed to be, you know, the real world or whatever is a, certainly a magical Yeah, that's moment, pretty magical, I'd say. But it, you know, obviously isn't Disney. <coughs> I sort of uh, stuck visuals and presentation in with the magic section, but it feels like you're stepping into a different world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get more into Disney magic at, when we get to a Disney film, obviously. But that's kind of like the it factor. It's just a random thing we're throwing out there. It's basically an excuse for Phil, <clears throat> I, I really like this movie, so let's give it extra points. <laughs> right, or uh, spoilers for my opinion on the film The Little Mermaid, which, from a plot standpoint, I really fucking hate for a lot of reasons, but watching it, like, it's kind of became like the quintessential Disney film, because love story music that's amazing and sticks in your head you get like four singles from the film that like are all obviously outstanding like it's a magical movie and i hate it but it would get magic film (laughs) magic points you know so it's kind of a catch-all but yeah general uh since i did give actual numbers i totaled them up uh lego movie from me got a 21 out of 25 because it was five three four four and five uh which I figured a percentage would be an 84%, which doesn't sound that great, but that's on the Disney scale. If, again, if I was ranking it how much I enjoyed the film, like, I mean, it's a movie that came out two years ago and I've watched it three times, which I fucking, like, I'm in no other movie I saw in 2014 have I watched since then. So I think that means, like, I loved Guardians, but I haven't watched it again. You yeah, well, you should, because Guardians is I don't own it. If someone bought movie. it for me, I would watch it. I but it. You can borrow it. But yeah. Guardians is, is better than this movie. I brought back Paddington. Oh, well, good. It's in my bag. Not that this movie is bad. This movie's fantastic. Right. Guardians is the coolest movie ever. Like, the trailer for uh, Civil War got me really excited. Yeah. I also will need to watch Ant-Man before then, because I didn't expect him to be in Civil War, but then he was in the trailer, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I guess I gotta pay attention yeah, to that. Another thing you can borrow, I suppose. Yeah. I think it doesn't come out until, like, May, like, or is it April? Civil War? Yeah, yeah May, I think. May. Usually May. When these things I think come X-Men out. is in April, though. But yeah, I feel like here we'll usually ask like a does it hold up question, both from your childhood and maybe from the 40s or whenever the film was made. Obviously not relevant here as it will be to Pinocchio and shit like that. So. Right, because it is something I want to... I don't know. Uh, neither one of us uh, has kids. Uh, right. That would be something I would want to know. Like, do I've kids today that, like, care about Snow White or Cinderella? I don't know. It's got just got re-released, so I'm sure a bunch right. of kids. I mean, got I know it. that's they, how Disney makes its money, like, right? But like the ones that get played, on, I guess Cinderella gets played on like Family Channel or what Freeform, whatever it's called now. But Snow White is never on TV. Like that no, it's never, never happens. But most of the ones that they play are '90s ones, which I guess maybe the kids' right. parents would be nostalgic about. Like, I used to like this movie. You should watch it right. too. But the older ones don't get played as much, and so I was wondering if well, they... uh, you know, when we were kids, which would have been the '90s, you were born in the '80s, but you know, early to mid '90s would have been when we started accumulating VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Disney re-released like every film they had ever had at that point, and that's how us and I assume every other child born, you know, at like 1980 on to 2000, got all of their Disney tapes was. Here they all are. I guess we'll buy them all. Here's a giant collection of big-ass Disney clamshell packaging right. uh, VHSs. So I assume nowadays kids are getting the same thing, but with DVDs and Blu-rays. I don't know. They cost like 35 fucking dollars for a Disney Blu-ray, so maybe right. not. But I, I assume kids are probably still getting Cinderella. They, well, also now they're making the live-action everything 
So Right. So, I mean, that's part of what I would like to uh, maybe we'll get feedback on as, as a result of this. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, do you still like these movies? If you have kids, do you watch them with your kids? Do right. your kids like them? Do they like them as much as they like Frozen? Or, right. Uh, yeah. And I, this will be two very uninformed opinions, but when we get to the end of like watching Snow White, I suppose you'd be like, you know, if you hypothetically had a child, would this be one you'd want to sit down and watch with them, you know? More than I would want to watch fucking planes or whatever <laughs> right. dog shit they Maybe bring out. Maybe Einstein. Right, yeah, they could be worse. Right. They bring out for kids. I'm now. sure we'll uh, cover like Fox and the Hound 2 and right. shit at some point. Uh, but yeah, final thoughts on uh, Lego Movie. Two thumbs up. I love it. Uh, Should have won Best Animated Picture. Uh, fuck you, Big Hero 6. I like you, but right. Lego Movie beats you. Yeah. Should have won. Oh well. And that's, uh, I guess that's it for the first. Uh, not this is like the zero episode. Right. If, of this, if this Dude's is the light of day, it's because the rest of these have been such a success. Right, we'll have a Patreon no. page. Like, right. like this can be for backers. Uh, right, you guys wanted this shit. Yeah, you get to hear the, <laughs> the like rough draft of a podcast. Neither of us have ever made a podcast before. If you couldn't tell, mm-hmm. hopefully I edited this to make it sound really great. Uh, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, Signing off, I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. And this was Dudes Watch Disney. Uh, We'll see you for real with probably an intro episode and then jump right into Snow White, Pinocchio, so on. So see you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to be talking about are 101 Dalmatians and Sword in the Stone. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or, the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye! Bye!